It looks like the Detroit Red Wings found their game when they were in Sweden. The New Jersey Devils are finally getting healthy. And quietly, the Winnipeg Jets have won eight of their last nine games. We've got all that and more coming up on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everybody to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 deposit match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Red Wings, Brian Fisher. And Brian, a a nice two-win weekend over the holiday for the Detroit Red Wings, including uh, a big win over Boston and another win Sunday afternoon over Minnesota. This team seems to have really focused and, and improved since going over to Sweden Talk to me about what the difference has been for the Red Wings since that trip. I mean, what hasn't been different, Gil? Uh, everything has been different. Uh, they've really turned it around. I remember, you know, before we started recording, I, I was talking about if we had done this little crossover, I had come on the show last week. After the Sweden series, I, I would have had completely different things to say because the team, you know, despite the fact that at five on five, they're generating more chances during that stretch. They just couldn't score first. If they did score first, they couldn't hold on to a lead. Their power play had just completely stalled, and defense and goaltending continued to be a massive issue, and those are not the makings of a successful hockey team. But since then, they've really turned it around. Um, I mean, and with the exception of the Minnesota Wild, in which they did win 4-1, to one, um, they, they've played really well at 5-on-5. Five five. They've generated a lot of scoring chances, but really I think what has contributed the most to these high-scoring victories for the Red Wings is creating low-event hockey which is something that doesn't surprise me because coming Derek alone, coming from the system in Tampa Bay, you know, prides himself on a defense first style of hockey, including, you know, sometimes running 11 forwards and seven D man, which he's done multiple times this season, even when he hasn't had to. And it's worked out for the Detroit Red Wings in this stretch. The devil's game, that four, nothing victory that kicked off this new three game win streak was the, and the devils are, are struggling right now. They're, they're definitely having issues in net. Um, but they're still a team that has a, a high scoring potential. A late, they out shoot attempt, they out shoot, <laughs> the Corsi metric that people love to throw out there. Like they usually out shot attempt teams by a wide margin, and they did so in that game against the Detroit Red Wings. The Detroit Red, but they only had 16 qualified shots on net because the Red Wings did a really good job of keeping those shot lanes to the outside, outside the circles, above the circles, outside of dangerous areas, and they blocked 20 shots. They carried that over to the Boston Bruins game, where, again, they started fast, they started strong, they brought a lot of pressure, forced turnovers, took advantage of them, scored on the power play, which is finally rejuvenated. They were like, I don't know the exact stat, so I could be off by a goal or two, but they were like two for 42 for a while there in the power play. They went from second best in the league to start the season to, I think, 31st in that stretch where they were 3-5-3. Three, three. Now they've scored, I believe, a total of 
five power play goals in their last three games. They scored two against the Wild. I believe it was two against the Boston Bruins without having the box scores in front of me, and one against the uh, New Jersey Devils, if I recall correctly. That's a huge change, and that's going to lead to a lot of success for a team that, you know, isn't always going to be the best team at five on five. And the Minnesota Wild game, again, is a perfect example. They were the one they just won uh, on Sunday. They are outshot like 38 to 22 or something along those lines. And the Red Wings were able to score two power play goals. And that was really able to carry them to the the victory. So it's just been a complete shift um, from how it was in Sweden. It's like the team finally came with a fire under their butt. The system that Lalone has been working on maybe is finally starting to click because they brought in 11 new guys. So when they went through that lull, part of us, part of our thinking was maybe it's because like 11 new guys need time to adjust to a new system. They finally seem like they're clicking and Alex Lyon and Nett has been really impressive as well. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, he really seems to have made an impact. It's small sample size so far, but uh, 37 saves on Sunday against Minnesota and you know, his numbers are just off the charts so far since he's been in between the pipes for Detroit. Yeah, I mean, small sample size, right? So it's great that his numbers are great in three, what's three games played for him now. And, but you're right. In every single game that he's played, including the one that he lost in Sweden against Toronto, like he played really, really good hockey. Um, the game against the game. I have my thoughts about the scheduling in Sweden, first of all. Uh, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that the Red Wings were the only team to play divisional back-to-back divisional opponents in Sweden. They lost their one and only home game against Toronto to the Sweden series. That was their home game against Toronto this season. Um, I'm getting off on a tangent, but uh, other team, I, the Maple Leafs and the Senators both got breaks after that first game the Red Wings immediately had to come back to it. So in that third period, the Red Wings were exhausted and Toronto was able to start pouring it on. The Red Wings are also right. down Jake Wallman in that game. So that, though, that loss and that blown lead is absolutely not on Alex Lyon. Is basically what I'm trying to build up to here. He played fantastic in that game. He earned himself a second consecutive start because he came back home to Detroit, started against the Devils, only faced four high danger shots in that entire game where the Devils only got 16 through to him, but he still earned the shutout. He took care of business. And that's the thing that's the biggest difference maker right now. Whereas Vili Husso in that is the starter for the Detroit Red Wings so far this season. He's been very good at, making these huge acrobatic saves, but he lets these little bleeders through his glove. Hands, not the best. He gives up rebounds, but he'll make these ginormous saves at big moments. Alex Lyon, he's not going to do that for you, but what he has been doing is just swallowing the puck. When that puck gets to him, he swallows it and does not give up the rebound rebound. Mickey Redmond said as much. And I think that is what has been so successful because he was tested in the game against Minnesota. I just said they, they had 38 shots against him. And while the Red Wings still did a pretty good job of keeping 27 of those 38 shot attempts outside of high danger areas, it's still a very good look for Alex Lyon that he's able to swallow those pucks whole. And he makes a lot of big, he made a lot of big saves. He's been great. I know he was great in limited action with the Panthers last year. He really kind of carried them to the playoff, but kind of fell off in the playoffs. But for a Red Wings team that so desperately is in need for some kind of solution in that. Because Vili Husso hasn't been great. Like, I just listed the problems with him. James Reimer hasn't been great. He had a couple good games, but you could see the cracks before it finally broke through on him. He's an aging goaltender. He's good for one start a week, maybe. But, you know, it took Alex Lyon's patience and for Vili Husso to have a child for Alex Lyon to finally get that start in Sweden. Because Vili Husso had to leave Sweden, go back home to the United States to be with his wife for the birth of his child. 
that finally got Alex Lyon that chance in the crease and he hasn't given it up. So, I mean, yeah, he's been like the biggest player in the three game win streak. Obviously, Huso got the win against Boston, but two of those were Alex Lyon. What are the keys for the Red Wings to sustain this recent improved play and, and success? Well, I mean, everything <laughs> without sounding, this is a really tough division. I mean, I think you can have any of us lockdown hosts from the Atlantic division teams come on and you can ask that question. They'd all say, you know, everything because this division is so deep that if the Red Wings want to stay in it, because let's face it, there are teams in this division that are better than the Detroit Red Wings, you know, on paper, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a better team. The Boston Bruins, who, by the way, two of their only three regulation losses have come at the hands of the Detroit Red Wings. Just want to throw that out there. Um, the Boston Bruins on paper are a better team. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are an aging core, but a still very good core. And this, you know, the Senators are off to a slow start. They're always off to a slow start. I expect them to come on eventually here. And the Buffalo Sabres are finally starting to turn it around. It looks like a little bit. Devin, Le Devin Levy maybe not being exactly what they were hoping for, but they're still a high-scoring team. So it, it, the keys to sustaining success is just being able to continue to have a power play that can convert and really insulate your goaltending. Like th this team needs to learn how to play. I'm not worried about their goal scoring. I really am not because they're, they're four lines deep now. They don't have any high-end caliber scores. They don't have an Austin Matthews. They don't have a Pasternak. They really don't. But they're four lines deep in that scoring. So I'm not too worried about that, but they need to learn how to play really good team defense to insulate goaltending. Because even with Alex Lyon's hot streak, I expect him to come back down to earth eventually. And they're going to have to insulate their goaltenders if they want to you know, maintain their position in this playoff race. I know it's wild to say playoff race this early in the season yet, but really in the Atlantic division, every game counts. There's no game you can take off. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I guess if you want to talk about keys to sustaining success, it's, I would say power play limiting penalties. Cause they've taken a lot of that and then just insulate your goaltenders, man. You got to play good team defense around them. Brian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media. Well, you can find the podcast on YouTube, Megaphone. Uh, you can find it on Megaphone. Sorry, that's who hosts our podcast. <laughs> Megaphone then outputs it to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Red Wings. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Fisher, WWJ, and my co-host Scotty at Bentley Scotty. So uh, we're a riot. You'll love us. <laughs> Always great to, to listen to and watch you, your show. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Gil. It's always a blast. Today's episode is brought to you by Collective. If you run a solo small business, you're an army of one, but you still need a CPA, a bookkeeper, separate payroll solution, and more. Let Collective take care of the paperwork while you take care of the business. Collective is the number one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion and not your paperwork. Let Collective handle all the paperwork you dread, like corporate formation and compliance, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, and even payroll. The best part, it's at a fraction of the cost of a CPA. Collective knows that if your business of one makes over $80,000 a year, you will find the most value from their services. Join the thousands of solopreneurs who have saved an average of $10,000 per year on their taxes with their structure. Right now, Collective is offering one month free and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash LockedOnNHL and tell them LockedOnNHL sent you. That's a $550 value for free 
when you go to collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. That's collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Devils, Trey Matthews. And Trey, hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, a little up and down so far for the Devils, but a lot of reasons for that. What what has been the biggest issue with this team's inconsistency so far this year? Well, I think the big thing has just been health. They've never really been fully healthy. So they finally got their two superstar players back recently uh, with them being Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. But still out, you got people like Timo Meyer, Tomas Nosek. We're still unsure about Eric Halla. He got dinged up in the previous matchup. Curtis Lazar did not suit up in the previous matchup either. So uh, the Devils are still trying to work their way back to getting fully healthy. But getting Nico Heischer back, that was obviously a big momentum shift for them because now you could start to build that structure of a better system around the superstar players of Jack Hughes and also Nico Heischer. That's what Lindy Ruff said in his post-game press conference last night at the conclusion of the 7-2 victory that the Devils had against the Buffalo Sabres. So I was credentialed the, the previous two matchups for the Devils, the first being against Columbus Blue Jackets and the second one being the Sabres. And the difference of uh, just how they played was night and day. So against the, the Blue Jackets, it seemed like that was one of their rock bottoms for them. It was back-to-back -back outings in which they came out lackadaisical, no heart, and it just seemed like they gave up on themselves as the game progressed. And then in the matchup against the Sabres, getting Nico Heischer back, that was just a different shift of energy, and that's exactly what they needed. They played better offensively. They played better defensively. And the Devils make it back to the playoffs. You're going to look at that game as the pinnacle moment, the turning point in which they were able to get themselves out of the gutter and turn their season around relatively early. Emotionally, how big of an impact does the return of these two key players have on this team? Well, with Nico, when it was announced that he was going to be returning, you just heard the, the cheers at the Prudential Center. And once again, it seemed like the team just played with a better sense of purpose. It seemed like they had much more confidence in them. And I had the chance to speak with Tyler Toffoli, Alexander Holtz, Jonas Siegenthaler, and Lindy Ruff postgame last night. And it was quite evident that, yeah, when Nico returned onto the rink, it seemed like there was more passion, there was more confidence, and there was just a different swagger about the Devils team. And then you get someone like Brendan Smith. He went after Connor Clifton, albeit it wasn't a standard traditional NFL fight. They were both assessed roughing minors because no punches were thrown. It was just Brendan Smith uh, tackling Clifton onto the ground because here's the thing. Uh, uh, Smith was getting payback for Clifton for injuring Nico Heischer in the first place a few weeks ago because Clifton had a dirty cross check to the head on Nico, which sidelined him for 11 games. And that's when the Devils really started to struggle. So Clifton got his comeuppance and he knew it was coming. And uh, he actually faced repercussions from the league after his cross check on Nico. And uh, I'm just glad that once again, Brendan Smith, he was sticking up for his teammate because he knew that Clifton had it coming. And you talk about just the difference uh, of outcome for the team and how they played it, Trust me, that's not speculation. All the players confirmed it. Just having Nico back into the lineup was a huge difference maker for the Devils. 
as far as the remaining injured players are concerned, do you have a, a, a rough timetable for their returns? Unfortunately, I do not. Lindy said post game that he's going to get a better assessment on a player like Timo Meyer on Monday. Same with Eric Halla, who played just under 10 minutes in the game against the Sabres. We don't know what uh, his injury situation is looking like. Same with Curtis Lazar. He tried to toughen through the Columbus Blue Jackets game, but he ended up uh, just sitting the rest of the way um, as the game progressed and he was scratched in, in the game against the Sabres. So we're just going to have to wait and see until the Devils get back to practicing because at the time, to, at, the, at this recording, they have the off day. So we don't really have a full gauge as to what could possibly happen. But once again, just getting the main centerpieces back, Jack Hughes and also Nico Heischer. So Jack, I like to call him the franchise piece. Nico's obviously the captain. He's the leader and he's a big glue piece uh, of keeping this um, offensive and defensive dynamic together because not only is Nico great offensively, but he is glorified defensively as well. He is regarded as one of the best two-way players in the game. And uh, Lindy said, like, when you have Nico on the rink, you don't have to play your your uh, two best defensemen because Nico can do a boatload of the defensive work in order to help the Devils win. And that's what we saw in the game against the Sabres. Now, the key is, can they build off that momentum? But once they get the team fully healthy, I think we're going to see shades of what the Devils were able to do last year. Obviously, teams are scouting them much better. Devils are no longer the underdog team. Teams and players are gunning for them, so they definitely have to keep their head on a swivel. But once again, it's still very tight in the Metro. I think with the exception of the New York Rangers, who are right now running away within the Metro for the time being, uh, the rest of the positioning, it's still up for grabs for anybody whoever gets on that hot streak or whoever gets on that cold streak. And obviously, Gil, you know this, around American Thanksgiving time, that's when we start to separate the contenders from the pretenders. And that's where we start to see the standings just start to settle in just a little bit. Still too early, but still, you start to see where teams are at in terms of their overall development. Talk to me about goaltending and team defense. They have been issues for this team. Obviously, getting healthy will help, but... What do you see with that? And can the team get more consistent in those areas? Well, they're starting to improve defensively just a little bit. I don't want to jump the gun on anything, but I think actually moving Brendan Smith from a defensive role to now being a forward, like he was a fourth line winger and he has experience of doing so. He did that with the Rangers at one point. I think that actually helps the Devils defensively because you could put Colin Miller alongside with Luke Hughes. And it seems like Miller is really helping Luke Hughes thrive a little bit more. Dougie Hamilton, he's all offense, no defense. So that's something that has to get figured out a little bit because this season for New Jersey, they've given up a lot of odd man rush situations. They've given up a lot of open breakaways. Seems they have poor communication, which leads to defensive lapses, which results in the team scrambling and it leaves uh, lanes wide open for their opposition. So they definitely got to tighten up a little bit. But I think this game against the the Sabres, especially with getting one of your better two-way players back in Nico, I think that's going to help them in more ways than one. Obviously, I don't want to put the big burden on Heischer's shoulders, but he definitely is one of the top players in the NHL for a reason. And I think he has no problem with doing whatever it takes to help his team win. So I think the defense is starting to improve a little bit more and, We'll, we'll see what happens, but obviously Dougie Hamilton, he's been a little bit of a big concern, but he can usually make up for it on the offensive side of things because 
I think he's like the only defenseman on this Devils roster who has more than just like uh, two goals in terms of uh, in terms of the Devils blue liners. And then for goaltending, that's a big question mark. I think the Devils are definitely going to have to try to make a move for a another NHL caliber goalie because Vitek Vancek, he hasn't been his sharpest this season. And yes, I know that the Devils just won in dominating fashion. But here's the thing. He only faced 12 shots and he still gave up two goals, albeit they were power play goals, but still that's something you need to take into consideration. Akira Schmidt, he had a very good outing in the game against the Blue Jackets. Obviously, he didn't really get that much help in front of them, particularly with Dougie Hamilton once again. But I think the Devils, they need to search for another goalie come the trade deadline. Right now, the market is very, very thin. You could look at someone like John Gibson over in Anaheim, or maybe I've been hearing a few things saying like, maybe we could possibly see a Mackenzie Blackwood reunion from uh, the Sharks. That's desperate times call for desperate measures. I know his tenure with the Devils haven't wasn't really all that memorable. It was filled with injury plagued years and disappointment. But once again, Blackwood has been one of the few shining graces for the San Jose Sharks. So you, I don't think you can really take that out of the equation. Do I think it's going to happen? Most likely not, but that's something you could consider. So the point I'm just trying to make is that the Devils, they need to look for another NHL caliber goalie and maybe send down Akira Schmidt to let him marinate a little longer in the AHL because the thing is Schmidt could still be sent down to the AHL with no repercussions. But the thing is, is like aside from Schmidt and Vanacek, who, who, who's behind him? So you got Keith Kincaid. He's in the AHL right now. You got Eric Schalgren. He's in the AHL right now. He hasn't really been all that sharp. So it's just like you have those question marks a little bit, but it's something that Tom Fitzgerald is going to have to figure out. And I'm sure some tough decisions are going to have to be made. But the point is uh, with Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmidt being the uh, two goalies for the Devils, I don't know if that's a recipe for a Stanley Cup. And obviously, like I said, the market is a little thin for a goalie, but I'm sure Tom Fitzgerald will try to figure something out. All right. Trey, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? You can find Locked on Devils on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find me on the X app at Trey Mac 4 and the show's personal X page app at Locked on Devils. And uh, check back for all the up-to-date uh, news surrounding uh, the Brick City's New Jersey Devils. All right, Trey, thank you so much. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. A big new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. A player on your favorite team could score 50 goals. Your team could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you can win big playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like McDavid, Ovechkin, McKinnon, Crosby, or Sorokin will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in any given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, NHL fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL. You'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. 
and locational availability. It is great to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, Harrison Lee. And Harrison, uh, some good times lately in Winnipeg. Uh, Eight of the last nine coming into the Sunday game, five in a row. Uh, What has this team been doing so much better that they're quietly sort of putting together this impressive run? Um, I think ever since the Dubois trade, you know, the the new additions up front and, um, you know, the team having like legit forward depth for once has really made a huge difference. You know, the Jets have a a nice bottom six uh, and the top six. It's a little bit uneven at times, like the top line, you know, with without Velarde for the past few uh, weeks hasn't been um, nearly as as ideal. But like the combination of Perfetti, Ehlers um, and Nemesnikov has been doing well. The third and fourth lines have at different times really controlled play. So the Jets finally looking up and, you know, the defense has managed to stabilize just enough. And of course, Hellebuck finally putting together a string of pretty good games as of late. Got to ask you about Kyle Connor, 14 goals in his first 19 games this season. What stands out to you about his play so far this year? Honestly, I think it's just Kyle Connor doing what he does best. Uh, A lot of times when he's not scoring, I think it tends to drive people crazy uh, watching him because he, you know, he does some interesting things off the puck. Uh, But when he is scoring or actually sometimes even when he does have the puck, um, But of course, when he is scoring, we're all, you know, entranced by his ability to be uh, a super lethal threat. He's had some games recently where he just really went off. I mean, uh, he always has that one on one matchup ability and stuff that's really impressive. But I feel like every once in a while, he still does something that just makes you just kind of drop your jaw a little bit. You know, this team right now, top 10 in both goals scored and goals allowed in the NHL, Uh, you know, the. In the past, defense, everyone knew Hellebuck, one of the better goalies in the league. Yet, you know, the scoring depth, as you mentioned, picking up. Who are some of the players who have helped them be more consistent offensively? So uh, I think guys um, this year, like Niederreiter and and Lowry, Perfetti, Ehlers, um, those guys have really stepped up. Ehlers has really rounded into form lately. Perfetti has been a huge, huge help. And what, what's kind of nice is like on each line, for the most part, you have some guys who are able to carry the load. You know, even on the fourth line, you've got Gustafson and Barron who have done a pretty reasonable job. Um, and like you're not expecting every line to score, you know, 20 goals. But I think what what is really nice is that the third line is a matchup nightmare. Appleton is kind of clicking with Lowry and Niederreiter. Um, Nino's emergence has really been, uh, or really his acquisition has been a huge windfall for the Jets. I can't believe the Preds gave him away basically for like a second. Uh, that trade is looking super lopsided, which is kind of funny because like the Preds are now after Connor Garland or were at least recently. And I'm like, didn't you just kind of give away Connor Garland for a second to the Jets? Um, but he's been great. Perfetti has really been, uh, now that he's healthy, putting on an immense season. And, you know, for me, I've always felt he was, a superstar in the making and he's just really now starting to live up to that potential one area of concern may be special teams power play 21st in the league heading into sunday's games the penalty kill 26th how big of a concern are special teams and what can the jets do to improve those numbers 
Um, I think, you know, it is one of the the sore spots for the Jets. The power play has been a little bit better over the past few weeks. Still not great, but better. Um, what I'll say is the PK, it's going to come down to Hellebuck. I really feel like the PK structure changed this year. Last year, they pressured a lot. They created some, you know, odd man rushes on PKs. They hassled and harassed puck carriers. And this year, it's like they just did a complete 180 and went back to um, pre- pre Scott O'Neill and pre bonus uh, Jets PK structure, which is uh, sit there and pray, which is not really how you're supposed to kill penalties. So in terms of how to fix that, I, I feel like tactically just go back to what you did last year. I really don't know why they stopped being aggressive on the PK uh, for the power play. I think some um, roster reinforcements would help Velarde coming back uh, both for even strength and on the power play is a big add. And if the Jets are really serious about competing this year, which I think this is probably one of their best chances, you got to swing big and go for a big player who's maybe a little more than just a rental. Maybe, you know, on Twitter, I always see people talking about Buchnevich uh, as a really big name. There's like some fish like that that would probably be worth chasing uh, that could really help up front. Do you think management is willing to go that route? Um. Don't know, to be honest. I, I don't have a read on what they're thinking. I feel like this is the season to do it, but uh, maybe they disagree. I know that they like to do a lot of mid-tier moves. Maybe they think there's like another Niederreiter hiding out there. Uh, my my feeling, though, is that if you really want to push it and go for it, you've got to chase a really expensive player who can kind of push you over that uh, over that curve and and add just that extra little bit of overkill. One possible concern, Connor Hellebuck now has started 15 of the first 20 games, including tonight where he's not playing. Uh, is, are you concerned about him possibly burning out as the season progresses if he's going to play three quarters of the games? Um, I don't know. Uh, in previous years, maybe. I feel like he's kind of used to it now. Uh, the only thing I do wonder is his long-term health. I don't know how that's going to be. The, the sort of style of play that he has – I don't know that it's necessarily as tough on his joints as some of the guys who are really um, fast and, and reflex oriented, but he is a big goalie. He's got a big frame. So I do kind of wonder if, if the pressure of playing like 50 plus does wear on towards the end. I don't think it'll burn him out necessarily, but uh, I wouldn't mind if the Jets have a little bit more rest. But unfortunately, as we're seeing right now with the Jets against the Preds, Bressois is just incapable of doing some of the basic stuff for saves. So um, they may not trust him enough to actually allow him to be back up. So we'll see how that goes. So what are the keys to the Jets? I mean, you look, you're not going to win eight out of nine for the rest of the season, but w- what are the keys for them to sustain a strong level of play and be contenders the rest of the year? Stay healthy. That's a big one. Uh, I think number two, you want to add one or two pieces. The blue line really needs more mobility As it is, it's like an okay defensive unit, but I think in terms of offensive creation and puck moving ability, adding Billy Heinola off of the injured list would be great. But quite honestly, the Jets just need another top four uh, puck mover in general. I think that would be a huge boost. I don't know who's going to be available and who's going to be within the price range, but maybe the Jets go back to the Flyers and try for a Sandheim or something. Okay, and any anything else? Any other keys to uh, to to long term success? Uh, I th- I think for this season, just kind of keep following the process. I mean, everyone's been uh, sort of bought in. I think the the process has looked good. The Jets are really great at five v five. The special teams definitely need work, but it's it's not as much of a concern. 
right now at least. But if, if they do kind of start to falter and the scoring dries up, obviously they're going to want to be sharper on the PK and uh, take advantage of those power play opportunities. But I think just following the the current trajectory, I mean, as long as they, they don't kind of go back to some of their old habits, this team should be in good straits for the rest of the season. Well, it's going to be an exciting ride. Harrison, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? We are LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter slash X. And of course, you can find Locked On Winnipeg Jets on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. All right, Harrison, always a pleasure. Thanks for stopping by today. Thanks for having me. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. I want to thank my guests, Brian Fisher of Locked On Red Wings, Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils, and Harrison Lee of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Always a pleasure to speak to all of them. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of Locked On NHL, and I co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, remember, every Monday through Friday, we bring you the top stories from around the National Hockey League right here on the Locked On NHL podcast. Until next time, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.